Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brendan made it from school board meeting. That's right. You must be happy. You told me you I thought you were going to be there at 10. thought I was going to be there for the long haul tonight, but I got what I needed All right. much earlier than I anticipated. And now you can come join the fun with some scorching hot takes in the next 20 minutes. I assume without having to talked to you about what we're talking about. Oh, come on. You got to know. Okay. You got to know. I just wanted to to make sure we could have talked about mini camp. We could have talked yeah. about. There's a lot of things going on. Sean in, McDermott flying around in a plane. Yeah, this afternoon. Uh, soccer Euros. I actually a couple friends Ooh, of yeah. mine were doing like a, a bet because he knows way more about soccer, so he has to put in more money if we, okay. me or my other friend, uh, <laughs> win weighted. the bracket. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weighted. a weighted bracket. I yeah. like that. Oh man, I what a missed opportunity. I love doing brackets. I love mm. doing pools on everything. Yeah. I mean, down to golf and we actually had uh so our rookie fantasy draft that Mike Shope and Jeremy White are in on Saturday, we had a US Open golf pool just break out right in the middle of the rookie draft. Like we started arguing about golf and finally someone's like, All right, throw this amount of money down on the table. We're picking four golfers each. Whoever gets the winner, you take it all. That's it. And it just broke out right in the middle. So I'm that guy. And the Euro is a missed opportunity for that because I love both soccer and international sports, which I feel kind of robbed by in the last 10 years. One between hockey, which is my favorite international sport, which they don't give you almost anything because they don't allow the NHL players to go to the Olympics. And then as someone that's a giant soccer fan that is, of course, a USMNT fan with the U.S. national team in the World Cup, or for me, Italy, because my grandpa is from Italy. I still have family that lives over there. I got a jersey from my uncle when I was a kid, so I've kind of always 
been rooting for them. Also, they also missed the last World Cup. So I had no one to root for in the last World Cup. I haven't had any NHL players playing any international tournament. The Euros are, like, just awesome every time they come around for me. And I never know they're coming. Like, <laughs> day one of the tournament, I'm like, oh, the Euros. I didn't think that was till next year or two years from now. I just have no idea ever when it is. But once it starts, I'm, like, glued to it. And now I'm upset that I didn't get into some sort of pool as being international fan, soccer fan, pool guy. I went very chalk heavy. I don't know any teams well enough to not go by the rankings. So France, I just, I literally just wrote them in the entire way as Mm -hmm. the champion and then filled in the rest. I think international soccer is easier to know who the good teams are without knowing a single player. Like France, Spain, Italy, Germany, like you typically have the same dance partners time after time. I think. That's not always the case, but a lot of times. Also, by the way, speaking of other things that are going on right now, the Blue Jays game is on television. Didn't think of that because of, obviously, yes, going on right now. And the ballpark looks really nice on TV. Vlad, by the way, just messed up at first base on the first first at bat. Um, not a fielder. That actually is something that we could discuss. I don't know if we should do it here. Maybe we should save it. But we'll save it. Yesterday, Mike floated a a teaser, an idea for a a conversation on, is Vlad Guerrero Jr. having one of the best Buffalo sports seasons ever? (laughs) I mean, he might win the Triple Crown. Well, if he wins the Triple Crown, I think that is the best season ever. Man. And I actually think it kind of helps his case that he's just kind of passing through. I don't disqualify him because his jersey says Toronto. Um, He's playing here in Buffalo. And he's passing through. Like, it's hard to differentiate a lot of Hashik seasons because they're all so good. Kelly, same thing. Maybe Allen will get to this point, too. Right now, maybe it's easy to, you can, obviously, it's easy to tell what Josh Allen's number one season is. Um, But Guerrero might have a case to be made here. So that's going on right now. It's 0-0 down at the ballpark. Um, The Yankees and the Blue Jays. Josh Allen will throw out the first pitch tomorrow. He said he threw 92 in high school. And... You've got to believe him because it's a very specific number. So he would know. I threw 157.5. Hmm. That's a specific number, too. Do you believe me? Hmm. Maybe you just poked a huge hole in my logic. <laughs> All right, Jack Eichel. That's obviously uh, we're dancing around it. But yeah. Jack Eichel is what we got to talk about here. You know, you, you kind of sigh at that, but I think the more, and I was with you, up until, I don't know when this changed for me. It had to have been recently, the last couple weeks. It's becoming more exciting for me. Now that I've accepted that it's going to happen, I'm starting to get excited about the new era of Sabres hockey. Just because it's different. Just because it'll be different names on the back of the jerseys. Just because there will be, even if it's irrational, there will be a sense of new hope. When they take the ice, game one of next season, they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in hockey. But because it'll be a bunch of guys that have not let you down yet, <laughs> it's going to feel like it's gonna it's gonna feel more op- optimistic. And again, that's not rational. Just because they haven't let you down yet doesn't mean that they're going to. And it doesn't mean Eichel and Reinhardt and even Ristolainen, depending on what side of the fence you are on that, have been the ones that have let you down here. But they've been on bad teams year after year that now they're becoming stale on this roster. And if you've got 
Trevor Zegras playing for them opening night, if you've got Owen Power playing for them opening night, if you've got whoever they might pick third overall, if that's the trade that ends up happening with Anaheim on opening night, it's going to feel like a new era of Sabres hockey. And at least for a couple of games, I'm going to be excited for the start of the season until they inevitably are probably terrible. So I would consider myself now, like, I'm ready for the Eichel trade, and maybe maybe saying I'm excited for it is a little too strong, but, like, I am ready for it, and I want to see what they get back. And I'm more optimistic this week than I was last week about what they will get. I'm ready for the story to be over. And maybe I can be excited for that. I'm still not excited that there. this was just a complete failure. Because I was so for the tank because I really wanted one of the two guys. And the tank isn't what killed it. What killed it is the moves that happened after. And every, pretty much every second, minus 10 games in, what would have that been, 2018, this whole thing has stunk. This whole thing has stunk. And so in a way, it will be nice to move on from this just laughable chapter of Sabres history and, like you said, maybe look forward to the future. Not that I'm stoked for the future. It's not like the Sabres have some awesome farm system where no, all these players are ready to jump up. Byron, I mean, you can change that, but it's Byron not right now. Byron Balder had them 27th. How does that happen? <laughs> How does it? They know what it is. They've picked so high for so often that all their guys just make the jump right away. That's part, that's part of it for sure. They've definitely missed on... Every almost every pick outside of the first round for the last decade. True. I mean, they. Yeah. Look with look at. I think. Oh man, I and wish even I had their it. First off. round picks. What would it? What would the complexion be of this team if they had taken Sergachev instead of Nylander? Mm-hmm. Or, if, or McAvoy. Or, or McAvoy. What right. would you know? Middlestat might be coming around, but are we gonna sit here and say that's been a successful top ten pick as well? The drafting after Eichel has been terrible. So are we ready to, oh, we'll just get a bunch of draft picks for Eichel, and that will solve everything. I'm not ready to get there. Yeah, I have the stat now. It was from March of 2019. I'm surprised I even remember having it. Uh, So it's maybe changed since then. But as of March 2019, the Sabres had, no, let me say it this way, Darcy Regeer's final draft class 2013, seven players played in the NHL from his draft class. That's really good. Eight Sabre draft picks since. That is impossible. I think, again, that number might be more like not 10 or 11 since because I'm imagining somebody's played in, in the league um, since then. Like Samuelson would be a name already, so I could start naming him. Asplund, I think, wouldn't have played by then. Um, but still, the point, the point remains. Like Darcy Regeer matched a, yeah. a, a crop of NHL talent in one draft class, and the Sabres have basically been... I mean, a tenth of that sort of production with their drafting sense. And Darcy Regeer was not some superstar general manager. They've just been they've just been misses all over the place. There's Olafson's the only guy you can really point to and say well, he became something outside of the first round. And that's part of the reason why they are where they are. Yeah. And I would consider that and their failings on well, everyone had their own failings, right? Tim Murray's failing was he just didn't fix the blue line. He put nothing into it. By the time he realized he had a problem, he tried to slap a Band-Aid over it with Dmitry Kulikov, and there was just no saving it. His big moves were George's and Franzen and Kulikov and Bogosian. Like, he just did not have the blue line down. And that is what really faulted them 
in the Tim Murray era. If they had a good blue line with that forward group and that goaltender, they would have been a playoff team. But they had a bottom five blue line in the sport. Then get to Bottrell. His big decision and his big move was Ryan O'Reilly. And it was a whiff. It was a complete whiff. And that set him back. And the Nylander draft pick, like I mentioned. There are so many little things along the way that to me have added up to where we are now that I I hate to just play revisionist history over and over and over because I don't think it's hard to to see what the problem was. It wasn't the tank. Maybe you, you could say that I wasn't prepared and we weren't prepared for making everything about Eichel. And I think a lot of that is sunk cost. Like a sunk cost fallacy that, well, we've got to make it work with him because we did it this way. I wonder if they didn't tank, if we would have gotten to this point with Eichel six months ago, a year ago. That, like, we need to turn the page. And I'm not ready to just assume that it's not going to work out for them because they're going to be playing, trading the best player in the deal. I think it's unlikely they'll win the trade, unless it's with Anaheim. By the way, can we talk about them? Why do they want Jack Eichel? Everything I read about them, everything I hear about them, Friedman is really where I, I'm hearing most about them. Also, Greg Wyshynski's talked about them on his podcast, Puck Soup. Everyone that talks about the Ducks is like, they think they're a couple pieces away from being a contender again. How? Exactly. But they do. And that might be why they're going after Jack Eichel. And that's a team I want to take advantage of. Absolutely. I think they... Would, you, would it be fair to say in your mind that they would be the favorites right now? Because I, I had a hard time this morning trying to figure out, okay, where is he really going to end up? Because the Rangers are the first team we talked about for for a year. But if they're not giving up Lafreniere... Right. Which is absurd to me, but go on. I, I, if they're not giving up Lafreniere, I don't think they're getting that done. And... The Kings, the Kings have, the, Kings have, the, perfect have always, offer. the Kings have always made more sense from the Sabres' perspective, mm-hmm. not from their own perspective. And John Hoven, the reporter out there in L.A., continues like multiple times in the last week, says they're not in on Eichel. Yeah. Everybody, get it through your heads. They're not in on Eichel. That could be the Kings playing mind games, getting the Sabres to lower their cost. But I'm going to trust that, that the Kings are not going to end up getting Jack Eichel. So who is it? And I have a hard time beating the Ducks for that. They have the motivation, it sounds like. As delusional as it might be, they have the motivation, they have the cap space, they have this, they have the level of prospect I think it would take, along with the high draft pick. That's the other thing the Rangers don't have. If I'm the Sabers, I definitely would rather do business with Anaheim because I want to pick third. Right. I want to pick 16th. So I'm ready for a deal, and I'm ready for it to be the Ducks. Are you ready to be disappointed though? In the return, are you ready for that part? I don't of the think equation? so. I don't think so. You think- and maybe that's maybe that's me being blind to the possibility that that could happen. But, no, every time I envision an Eichel trade in my head, maybe that's why I feel more optimistic. Because maybe I'm not prepared for them to get, to get even on the surface, for it to look bad. Because what would that be? If they traded it for the third pick overall straight up? That'd be bad. That'd be very bad. Could that happen? What if they trade him to... I don't know, Columbus for the fifth pick in their third best prospect. Like, is that in the range of outcomes? Because that's a ripoff. Yes. And I guess I'm not, maybe I'm not worried enough about it because they do have a guy who is the least experienced maybe in the sport at being a general manager. As a baseline, what are you expecting? Say 
you found out that Anaheim and Buffalo has reached a deal and you are expecting what from that deal? You don't you don't know the details yet. They're going to come out in 15 minutes. What are you expecting that to look like? I'm expecting to be happy about it, and I'm expecting it to be number three in Zegras. Three in Zegras. I think that is fair on both sides. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like too much from the Ducks' perspective, the Sabres' perspective? That I don't know if you need more I to would, that deal. I would actually be – here's my thing. I don't think it would be fair value for Eichel. But I also know that fair value probably isn't possible. So if I can reconcile that and be like, okay, I want a deal that doesn't embarrass the Sabres and that could potentially set them up for the future. If you're telling me that they could get potentially Beneers and Zegris for Eichel, I am coming around to being... It almost, to feeling better about the situation. It almost sounds worse when you call it Beneers and not the third pick, which I think is the right way to do it. Like, doesn't it just sounds better when it's I'm getting Zegras and the third overall pick? Oh, the third overall pick. I'm picking two twice in the top three, and maybe that's not a good way to look at it. I like Beneers though. I like Beneers too. He's not. I don't. Maybe I'm not in love with him as others. Um, I'm starting to like the the other kid from Eklund? Michigan, Kent, uh, oh, Kent, Kent Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, but I think Beneers I would still consider. Definitely the top forward in this draft class, um, and then I've I'm I'm just want to gather picks. Like I know I'm going wild with this, but I saw your Columbus trade. The Columbus trade, they have three firsts right now, and I think that they probably end up with another one from the Seth Jones trade, depending on when that happens. Philadelphia seems to be the favorite for that, and they pick 14th. So yeah, my idea was, but I don't even know if that's a good trade. Would you rather do that than getting the the Zegers deal from Anaheim, where? You're getting four first-round picks from Columbus. That might sound crazy, but it's fifth overall, 14th overall if they get that Philly pick, and then 24th from the Maple Leafs and 30th. What, so they can end up like the Bruins drafting Zaboral, Sinitian, and uh, yeah, and then pass on Barzell? And here's my problem with the NHL. More so than the NFL, There, there is just so much room to get things wrong in the NHL, right? In the NHL draft, we're, tra- we're talking about 18-year-olds and projecting them well into the future as opposed to the NFL draft, which is more like 21, 22-year-olds. So, like, I, that's why draft picks aren't, like, my favorite thing. Okay. I like the idea of if you had to give me a choice between Zegras and a draft number, I think I would take Zegras because we know more about who he is since when he's been dra- since when he's been drafted. What he was the pick after Cousins? No, a couple Z- years ago. Zegras was. Be- oh no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, ninth overall. So a couple picks after Cousins. One pick after Cousins. Okay. And a lot of Saber fans wanted him over Cousins at yeah. the time. Like they were upset. Caulfield maybe was more popular. Yeah. But Zegras was there right there. Um, yeah, Anaheim's gonna be tough to beat. For me, I think just when it comes down to it, I think they just make sense on all sides, except for the part where like why they're doing it. But I don't care about that. It also, I guess, doesn't make sense for Eichel. But what's he gonna do about it? There's nothing he can do about it. He doesn't have no trade clause. And I'd love to sit here and say, well, he should say, I'm just not gonna report if you trade me to the Ducks. But he's already behind. It already sounds like he's starting to build a reputation, deserved or not. I'm not sure it is, but he's starting to build a reputation of. 
being a, a problem guy. And he could not come out and say, I'm not going to the Ducks. Right. But Verichel, I'm not sure how well this is going to work out for him. He's probably getting traded to a bad team. Right? Yeah. Like the Blue Jackets, the the Blue Jackets the might Ducks. be in the worst spot in the league right now. Maybe right. The, if the Kings do come around on this idea, they're not a great team right now. I mean, who is a good team that Eichel could even end up with? Anybody? He's not going to Boston. The the Rangers could have the potential to be really good. They they might be the best he could do. They just hired Gerard, Gerard Gallant officially today. They've got young talent. They've got Panarin. That you're right. That probably is the best he could do. They them with Eichel. I would think is a playoff team. What do you next think year. about how do you think Eichel would uh, feel about going to Seattle? I think Eichel might be okay with it. I don't think they have enough because they literally don't have anything. <laughs> like they have the second. Would you gamble pick. on them being bad this year and then getting? Oh, I see. Their fir- their first next year as well. I I mean I want their first next year. I do think they're going to be bad, but that to me isn't even enough. Second overall this year and Seattle's first next year. I mean, I know there's this kid, Shane Wright, next year that might be like Matthews-level prospect, Eichel-level prospect, but I'm, I'm not ready to just get a, this two first-round picks for Eichel like that. I, here's another question. Yeah, because I, I have one more team I want to throw by you. As yeah, a, do it real quick. Detroit. Detroit has the sixth overall pick. I was actually talking with Nolan Bianchi, who does the Locked On uh, Red Wings podcast. And for his podcast and his show, he was wondering, like, what would... What's the first... He asked me, what's the first thing that comes to mind if I told you Eichel's getting traded to Detroit? And I just... Instinct. Gut. I just quickly went, Larkin in six. Because I think I would do that. I, I hadn't thought about whether I would do that, but Dylan Larkin in the sixth pick. And his response was, I think the Red Wings would do that. He's like, do you think the Sabres would do that? And I didn't have a good answer. Larkin might be the best, assuming that they're not trading it's for wild. Mitch Marner one for one. Right. Larkin might be the best player you can get back. It's a wild type of idea. Yeah. And if I'm Eichel, again, there's not a lot of teams. And again, he doesn't have control here, but there's not a lot of teams you could go to where you could think, all right, I could be good here. If it, I, Anaheim would be a disaster from his standpoint. But Detroit, like, no, they've been bad for years, but I would at least have more confidence in the management team with Steve Eiserman running the show. And by the way, they don't have a top five pick. They have six. They also have the Capitals pick later in the first round. They have three seconds. They have two thirds. They have two fourths. They have two fifths. I don't care too much about third, fourths, and fifths. But he's got an insane amount of draft capital that Eiserman has built up there. And they've got good young talent. So the Red Wings are a team I've thought about, uh, thought about as well. I have a question. Yep. Are you nervous or encouraged by the fact that this Eichel saga seems to be coming together rather quickly? A little bit. Because that's a little bit what? I'm a little bit nervous. You're nervous about it. That that might be the thing I'm most nervous about. Because that's how the O'Reilly trade went down. They were rushed. They knew midnight July first he was getting that seven million dollar bonus. They didn't want to give it to him. So they but felt like nothing, they made the deal and it was rushed. But there's and, nothing like that right now. There's nothing like that well, like in the future that well, the thing that Paul said earlier with Chopin the Bulldog is he wondered if the Sabres want to get it done before he files for medical arbitra- arbitration or medical grievance with the PA. I see. But, man, I don't think that's a reason why you should ever rush it. You shouldn't feel rushed. You have him for, under contract for five years. If you don't think – that's that's maybe what I'm most nervous about. I don't want the Sabres to be afraid of him being on the roster day one. 
He doesn't even have to be in the lineup. But I don't want them to be afraid of having him on the team at the start of the season. Yeah. It, it's it's not a perfect outcome. You I know you want to get it done before then because teams will have their, their rosters figured out by the start of the season. No one's going to have cap space to take on a $10 million contract by the start of the season. So I can see why you would want that done even before the draft. But if you're not getting proper value, you, you got to walk away. You can't mess this up. This is going to this trade is going to define them for five years at least, if not longer, and you just can't mess it up. And you do have time, even though you'll have to be patient if you decide to wait. You you gotta walk away from if your best offer isn't enough. If you think it's similar to what the Blues were doing with the Sabers with O'Reilly, their third best prospect, a late first, something else. Don't you, you can't do it. And that's what I'm most nervous about, that the Sabres feel like they're cornered and that they feel like they have to get it done now because that's how you make bad trades. Yeah. It's just... I went from optimistic to pessimistic real quick in this segment, by the way. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I, I I'm looking... I want it to happen. I do want it to happen. I want to start to look ahead. I want to start to know what the team is going to look like next season. How many guys on this team do you know is going to be in a Sabre uniform for next year? Rasmus Five? Dahlin? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah probably. Maybe. Yeah, No, he, he, he almost for sure will be. Uh, Yoki Haru. Cody Cousins. No. Skinner, though, if you want to go with bad, the bad contract route. Skinner, Cousins, Yoki Haru, Dahlin. I think I'm done. Anybody else? Owen Power. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, he'll Michigan. be a part of the organization. Right. Oh, yeah. okay, that's right. Yeah. But in terms of who's playing opening night, I, can, I can count it on one hand. Yeah. So, I want them to get. I do want them to get going here, but I I don't want them to feel like they have to. It will be interesting though, because numerous NHL insiders within the last week or so have said that Buffalo will essentially be the focal point of the offseason this offseason. It, and I think that's the focal right. point. I think that's right. I agree. They, there is a player available. They, they have the best player on the block. Eichel is the most valuable trade asset to hit the to hit the block since what? Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, yes. But I think you can go for Joe Thornton. I think he won the MVP the year before he got traded to San Jose. Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson, that's probably the best one because he was the best defenseman in yeah. the world when he got traded. That's good. That's years. It's multiple years. And this guy's a center. He's 24. He even outranks Carlson for that. So you just can't you just can't screw it up. You can't screw it up, and you can't feel pressured to do it now because that's how you will screw it up. That's how you'll take, again, someone's third that's best why offer. I'm, that's why I'm hopeful that things are just coming together real quick and all of a sudden they're getting offers that they didn't think they'd be getting this early on and that's why yeah. they want to wrap it up now. Man, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case and they just don't want... Because, man, there could be even PR reasons. Just like you want draft night to be all about the future. You know? Like, you, yeah, you do not you want, want the, it to be a day... You don't want the Eichel cloud hanging over right. your draft. Like, Owen Power is going to be asked about Jack Eichel and what... Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's going to be weird. You... I know you don't want that night to be about... You want that night to be all about Owen Power and the next step. Owen Power and maybe whoever you might else might get in that draft. Right. You want it to be about the future. And if Eichel's still on the roster, it's not all about the future. It's about, they didn't move Eichel. What are we waiting for? That's the big story. Yeah. Yeah, what are we waiting for? 
But again, these are not good reasons to to take a deal, to take a bad deal. And that's where I'm worried. I'm worried. I, I you're right. I am worried that Kevin Adams, because of all of those factors with timing and potentially feeling rushed, that other GMs around the league might feel like they could take advantage of this organization right now. Because you know what? That's fair. Their reputation right now, their the amount of people they have in the building, the amount of scouting departments, the fact they only have one person in their analytical department. I mean, how could you not think? How could It's not even fair to expect that other GMs wouldn't look at this team and think I could take advantage of them. Just, I would. Just look at their trade history in recent right. years. Th- that too. Throw that on top. Yeah. Damn, I was excited. I'm sorry, Joe. Now I'm upset. I didn't mean to do that to you. I'm well, usually we'll a pretty optimistic person when it comes to sports, but I just, usually. I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not gearing up to be excited. I am expecting that I will be disappointed or meh about whatever the Eichel return what, is. What would get you to be, like, giddy about it? Is there a deal that you've thought about? Like, they would, would even that Red Wings package I just mentioned do it? Red Wings that, package that, does not get me giddy because Larkin is a significant step down from Eichel as a player, and six in this draft does is nothing to write home about. So that wouldn't get me giddy. That I still think the Sabres lose that trade, honestly. What would get me giddy is... Is a deal they probably can't get. Is a deal... Right. Because what would that's that be? What would, it would be like the byfield Turcotte. In a, in a first or two firsts. Like they, that, have, they have the eighth pick. Know what it was? Yeah. That deal was thrown out way too early in this process, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to compare everything to what that deal is, even though that deal is not attainable. It's also not a deal that was ever, like... In the works. Right. It was just a... It was a if, if you go back to when that that deal originated, Byfield, Turcotte, and two firsts. Right. It was Craig Custance of The Athletic asking other NHL executives about this deal just doing like mock trade a mock trade exercise and so now i think so. unfairly i and a lot of sabers fans are going to compare whatever this yeah. return is to that deal i think you're right one last deal and then we'll take a break i do want to get some football in the next segment um we're going to hear from darn what is his i'm sorry forgetting his name off the top of my head here gary gramling sports illustrated we're gonna hear from him next Last deal I'll throw your way is whether you be giddy. Because I do think that this team could do it. Carolina and Sebastian Ajo. Something else on top of that, maybe. But the reason I throw Ajo in there, and I know this is, again, I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm, this is a dream scenario that's probably not likely. But the, 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 way, the reason I think about Ajo is they are already in the midst of it with, Brent, with Rod Brindamore on the financials. And... They probably don't want to pay him as much as he wants because otherwise that deal would have happened a year and a half ago. They have an owner who was trying to get an insane amount of money back from the AAF. Who he was Todd Dun- Tom Dundon, lead investor of the AAF two years ago, the the league, the football league that went defunct, lost like seventy million dollars. The Hurricanes, or I'm sorry, the Canadians, saw that team and that owner as a team they could take advantage of with the first offer sheet in like a decade. And the way they structured it was they front-loaded Ajo's contract to 
make it tough on the Hurricanes financially to get that done. Because they need the cash right up front. Right. And I think back to a podcast Ryan O'Reilly did. I think it was Spittin' Chicklets that he did a couple years ago. I'll always remember this this quote from him, this this line of thinking, that he became an outcast in Colorado after he signed an offer sheet with Calgary. That management never gave him the benefit of the doubt, and that he always felt a little bit alienated, even in the locker room, because essentially they all thought in their heads maybe that, hey, you signed to play somewhere else. You know, like you wanted to leave here, at least to some extent. And I don't know this, I haven't seen it reported anywhere, but I just have the wonder in the back of my head that if there's any resentment in the Carolina organization towards Sebastian Ajo, that he signed with another team, and the fact that they've been a great team that has kind of fallen short in the playoffs. So maybe they'd be looking for a big swing somewhere. That, that again, could be one of these probably unlikely star players that they could get back in the Nickel trade. The one thing that concerns me, like I would, yeah, you know, we're talking about the best player that you could possibly get back for Eichel in terms of player right now. Yeah, we've thrown Marner's name out there. That's not going to happen. So Larkin... Uh, Sebastian Ajo, Ajo obviously would be the best player that you could get back. Like, I guess realistically, I don't even know if you want to call this realistic, but probably no, no, I wouldn't call it realistic. I would call it just a hype, completely hypothetical. But so in this hypothetical, what scares me is that if you get a player close to Eichel's value but not Jack Eichel, then you're downgrading, and that also means you're going to get a worse future asset. So you're still going to lose the trade. You're right. You are. What you're doing is you're guaranteeing you're going to lose the trade. But you're also. But why are you doing that? Maybe you're doing it in exchange for eliminating. A very high floor. Right. You're eliminating the possibility that you get embarrassed. Right. And that the O'Reilly trade happens again. And yeah, I think. I guess. I guess I would rather go for the. Give me four pieces that maybe I could actually even win this. Now, do the Sabres view it that way? Do the Sabres want to go for the home run, or do they want to go for the high floor because they look at O'Reilly trade, mm-hmm. and they look at this fan base, and they look at this organization and say, we cannot get embarrassed again. Because right. the very minimum that Sebastian Ajo does for you in a trade is be a really good player for you. You know, it's not right. like Tage Thompson is the only player left of this deal worth a damn. Be so interesting to know what's happening behind the scenes, but obviously we'll, we'll see once it happens. Which again, I'm assuming I'm going to wake up every morning and check the phone it, now. It's going to happen one of these days. Yep. One of these days we don't expect it to happen. It's just going to be there. Boom, there it is. The one of the biggest trades in franchise history. That's going to Buffalo sports history. Right, Buffalo sports history. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number. If you got a thought on the Eichel trade, uh, feel free to get it in in the next segment. But we are going to hear from Gary Gramling from Sports Illustrated. He was on with Jeremy White this morning. A lot of good stuff on. The AFC as a whole, including the AFC South. Gary has got a hot take. He's got a team in the AFC that nobody is picking to make the playoffs. And he's got them winning 10 games and making the playoffs. We'll hear who that is when we come back here on the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, this is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Talked a lot of hockey in that first segment. Let's change gears, get to some football. Gary Gramling from Sports Illustrated 
A lot of good stuff on the AFC, including a hot take from the AFC South. He was on with Jeremy White this morning. Let's play back that as our best of the day here on WGR. Gary, thanks for joining us. It's uh, Howard's off today. I know he booked you, but it's uh, it's me, Jeremy, and, and Brayton Wilson. Uh, happy to have you on this morning. That's all right. I'll settle for you guys. Yeah, I'll you know, Howard. everybody else is settling for us, so I feel <laughs> like you have the choice. Uh, senior editor of Sports Illustrated and Monday Morning Quarterback. Um, all right, so, Gary, let's let's talk a little football here and in the NFL this season. I, I actually just mentioned in the previous segment about the AFC East and how, you know, it's very much a different AFC East than it's been in quite some time because, of course, the Patriots are – not what they were. The Bills are the class of the league, probably. And the other three teams all are in the process of finding out and changing and changing quarterbacks. So um, is there any one of the three that you think is more interesting than the other, whether it's New England or Miami or the Jets with Zach Wilson? Because um, Bills fans are in a spot where having a quarterback and watching other teams try and find one is, uh, I think it's pretty enjoyable. I think we're doing all right over here. <laughs> It is, it is nice that the shoe is on the other foot here. Uh, I mean, look, it, the Patriots in the short term are the most intriguing team. Uh, can, can they get that last gasp together here? Uh, obviously, they loaded with a bunch of free agents. You get Dante Hightower back. That's kind of a big deal there. Uh, can they make Stephon Gilmore happy and sort of, sort of get that defensive performance? They're never going to get the type of defensive production they got two seasons ago when they just had a million turnovers and they were scoring touchdowns and all that. But, you know, can they get enough there? And then can they figure out what they're doing uh, with this offense? It, Cam Newton and, and Mac Jones, I'm not sure exactly how they transition this thing from uh, from Newton to Jones, which I think will happen at some point in 2021, but those are two entirely different offenses you're going to end up running with those two quarterbacks. So that's the most – it's the most interesting team. It's the most intriguing non-Buffalo team, highest ceiling non-Buffalo team in that division. Uh, I, Zach Wilson is really fascinating. I think the Jets are on the right track. As far as Miami goes, I, I don't know. I, I kind of scratch my head with Tua. Uh, I'm open to being wrong on this. I'd be really nervous if I were a Dolphins fan after what I saw last season from him. Seems like there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I mean, last year he goes in and Brian Flores, you know, he, he kind of puts himself in the spotlight by making a switch and going back and forth and putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in. This year Fitz isn't there to bail them out. This year it's Jacoby Brissett who's the backup quarterback as of right now. And I, I wonder how quickly they would go to Brissett. And I wonder just how much of – the Dolphins, if they have any sort of stumbles, will be placed squarely on the shoulders of Tua because the rest of the roster looks like, for sure, a playoff-caliber roster. They, they were last year. Yeah, and look, there are a couple things going on there. Number one, I mean, Justin Herbert, obviously, you took off last year, so Tua's always going to have that, oh, you know, they pass on Herbert for Tua and, and you know, ask Mitchell Trubisky about that. Uh, as far as what happened this past offseason, I mean, because of that Texans trade, the Dolphins had a chance to scratch another lotto ticket here. They could have gotten a Trey Lance. They could have gotten a Justin Fields, a, a Mac Jones in there. Uh, it, and, again, this is just me. I like those three prospects better than I like Tua at this point based on what he put on film last season. Uh, and they, you know, they decided to stick with him. So it's almost like they doubled down after what, you know, I, I think it's fair to objectively say Justin Herbert is the better young quarterback at this point. Uh, so, you know, did they basically double down on making the mistake they made last season? And, and of course, all of this comes after uh, they just went full-on tank and they accidentally won too many games. And that's why they weren't picking number one in 2020. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> sometimes you wish you could um, – well, 
I, I'm a tank supporter very often, you know, for a lot of these teams. I think you could save mm-hmm. yourself a lot of draft capital if you just went ahead and took some medicine in a given season. But th- that might be another story for another day. Um, <laughs> for, for the young quarterbacks in this year's class, Trevor Lawrence, you know, I, 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 Trevor Lawrence going number one, consensus number one pick. There was never any doubt about it. I find that the most interesting thing about the Jaguars is – the Urban Meyer angle to it. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel like Urban Meyer is going to be good, going to be bad. I have I kind of have no idea what to think, and that has has me kind of not knowing what to think about Trevor Lawrence because there's no doubt the skill set's there. There's no doubt um, he's whatever. He's the prototype of a modern-day NFL quarterback. But what would we expect in an Urban Meyer kind of offense? Yeah, well, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, – he might be impossible to screw up, and I don't want to put uh, all this, you know, generational quarterback uh, sort of sort of talk on him before we've seen him take an NFL snap. But I think this is Andrew Luck type stuff where uh, it doesn't really it, it doesn't really matter what your coach ends up putting in for a system. I think he works in any system. I think he's just really a guy who you can't screw up at this point. So uh, I you know I, I wonder about Urban Meyer. I think at the very least. Uh, he's something of a program builder, and that's something they haven't had in Jacksonville for years and years. They've just sort of been skating by. I mean, you, you, you sort of, oh, we, could, we could touch on the, the tank stuff again with them, and they're probably very satisfied with, uh, with the outcome here in, in 2021 because, look, if they're not getting Trevor Lawrence, you don't get Urban Meyer. We know that the Kahn family wanted Meyer for a while, and uh, it just seems like uh, when, you, when you take that step back without really breaking down, okay, what are they going to do schematically? Uh, it's almost like this thing can't be screwed up. And, and I really think Trevor Lawrence is uh, is going to be in that class with an Andrew Luck type. Uh, maybe, you know, you don't want to quite uh, invoke the name of Peyton Manning at this point, but uh, I really think uh, they're, they're, I, I think they're immediately contenders in the AFC South, especially if the Titans are going to slide back a little bit with, uh, with what their rebuild is on defense. Immediate contenders. I mean, you might be the first person I've heard say that about the Jaguars. Which I mean, I'm not necessarily disputing it. They've mm-hmm. they've got they've got weapons. That's the thing is they had such a bad season last year, but offensively they do have weapons for Lawrence. They do, and look, that offensive line is is decent. It, it, they're not world beaters, but uh, you know, I would I, I think it's a group that's a little bit similar to what you have up there in Buffalo. So uh, look, I I really think that's a team that can win ten games this season, and uh, they're going to get. Uh, two free spaces against the Texans in all likelihood. And uh, I do think the Titans, I, I, I like the Julio Jones edition. I just think there's too much turnover on that defense. I don't think Bud Dupree is a difference maker. Uh, I think the Titans slide back, and I think the Jaguars maybe end up uh, making a run in a wild card spot here. And then obviously you have the biggest question mark maybe in all of football with Carson Wentz in that division. Yeah. So if the Titans take a slide back, I mean, the Titans were in the AFC Championship game two years ago, mm-hmm. and then they drifted back a little bit, and the Bills jumped into that spot. Um, who steps into that role? If we're talking the hierarchy of the AFC, I think the Chiefs are at the top. Yep. Uh, do you plant the Bills at number two, or do you put the Bills in a group at number two, or what is it after the Chiefs for you? Uh, my, my cowardly answer is I put the Bills atop a group at number two. Okay. Uh, I, I think the, the, the Bills, I put the Colts up there. I do believe in Carson Wentz. I, I think he does bounce back, maybe not to MVP levels, but to uh, quality starter levels. And then I would, put, uh, I would put the Ravens up there. I'd put the Steelers up there. I'm not a Browns believer. If someone wants to argue the Browns are in that second-tier class, I'll put them up there. 
to me, I, I think they're going to slide back a little bit. I don't think the defense is quite ready. I, I don't know if – I think Baker's a, a quality starting quarterback. I don't know if he's a, you know, a sort, of, sort of a franchise-changing guy there at this point. And I, I keep an open mind if the Chargers are going to make a run here. Uh, they have the quarterback. I know they're sort of talking there like, ah, you know, we're not quite ready yet. I think that's just kind of what you say to keep expectations in check. They signed a bunch of veterans two off-seasons ago. They have the quarterback in place. They have a, a very sharp young coach. I could see that team uh, putting themselves in that sort of second-tier top challengers to the Chiefs conversation. All right, great stuff there from Gary Gramling. You can hear the rest of that interview on demand at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. I like the Jaguars pick. I just look, they are plus 700 to win the AFC South at Bet Online. I was actually hoping that would be a little bit longer uh, of odds for them because that's actually the same exact odds as the Bills to win the AFC Championship game. And, like, that doesn't feel right, right? The Bills feel more likely to win the AFC than the Jaguars are to win the AFC South, I think. But Bet Online's telling you that they're the exact same. So I was going to bet the Jaguars to. To, to win the division, but now I'm like, maybe I should just take that money and put it on the Bills because I think that's a better bet. I love, I do like the Jaguars this year, though. I, I like them. I like their offense. I think their defense is probably bad, um, but they've got good skill position players. I think Lawrence is going to come right in and be a really good quarterback. He might be the best quarterback in that division right away, and a lot of it is the division. Houston's the worst team I've ever seen. Tennessee, I've never been a believer in, and I still am not, and the Colts were good, but they're bringing in the guy who was like the worst starting quarterback in football last year. So that could go well, but it also could go really, really bad. And if it goes bad for Indianapolis with them and Wentz, and Tennessee takes a step back because Derrick Henry at some point it's going to happen because of his wor- giant workload, and it's still Ryan Tannehill. At some point I think the he's going to have some regression. If those two teams don't live up to snuff, that division is there for the taking for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I like this take a lot uh, from Gary Grambling. All right, well, that's going to do it for me tonight on the Nightcap. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned, NASCAR fans. Garage Pass, not Garage Pass, sorry. Pit Reporters is coming up next. I will talk to you tomorrow at 7 o'clock here on the Nightcap on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.